Hello, and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 91. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I am sitting here crushed under the weight of autumn. It has, I think, probably formally, officially arrived. I guess it officially arrived according to the calendar already. But I'm looking out my window, and it is definitely fall today. Uh, yesterday was super rainy, but fairly warm. Today it's dry, but super cold and windy, and there are leaves all over the place of all different colors flying around. It's autumn, guys. I'm going to go climb. Hey, Henry. Henry just wandered in. You want to say hi before you leave? Hi. Henry says hi. It was nice talking to you. It, it, that was like uh, on the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show. If you're old like me, you remember the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And every once in a while, like, some big name of the time would just show up. Like Don Rickles or uh, Sinatra or Burt Reynolds or something would just walk onto the stage. And everybody would lose their minds. Of course, it was all pre-planned, obviously. But that was before the internet and stuff where people knew everything that was going to happen anywhere at any time before it happened. So th- this thing with Penry was just my little uh, Johnny Carson Tonight Show moment. Uh, anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, I don't know, it wasn't that important. Let's get on with today's show. A little bit of news to talk about, I guess. Uh, this first thing, I guess, isn't really news so much as a cool thing that I saw. Pinkcakebox.com has on their site a cake that looks exactly like an Atari VCS with two controllers and a couple of game cartridges. Uh, looks like Pac-Man and Vanguard. All of it is cake. You can eat the whole darn thing. Uh, It's like being in Willy Wonka's candy room, where everything's edible. And he sings about, uh, what's that song? I'm drawing a blank now. I'm talking about the good Willy Wonka, the one with uh, Gene Wilder. Uh, Not the creepy Johnny Depp uh, Willy Wonka movie. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. That song. Yeah. So, like everything in that room, everything on this cake is edible. It's a cake that this company made for uh, somebody's 40th birthday party in New Jersey. Uh, And his wife surprised him with this Atari 2600 cake. Console, two games, two joysticks. The games were chosen by the guy's wife, Pac-Man and Vanguard. I said that. The entire cake was red velvet with Oreos and cream. Red velvet with Oreos and cream buttercream. Not sure what that means. I guess Oreos, cookies and cream or something. Buttercream? I think a cream cheese frosting would be better uh, for red velvet cake, but that's just me. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Go to pinkcakebox.com to see this thing. It looks awesome. Uh, I would hate to eat it, almost, if I got one of these. You know, I do have, in a few weeks' time, you know, this is episode 91, uh, so in nine weeks' time, I do to have my 100th episode. So, you know, if any of you out there wanted to get me a, a pink cake box Atari cake, well, I, yeah, I'm not saying you should do that, but, you know, it'd be awfully nice just putting it out there. Anyway, so that's very cool. What else is going on? I just signed up for my free digital subscription to Old School Gamer Magazine. I got to credit Pie Factory for this, in a way, because they actually talked about it on their show, and then I stole that item to talk about it on my show, because I immediately went out and signed up for it. After I heard them talking about it, it sounds pretty cool. Their website, OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com, 
It says simply, dedicated to you, the old school retro gamer from the arcades to your home. They kind of have their uh, stuff broken down by decades, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s. That's hard to say. Uh, an arcade. Digital description, you can get a pay, uh, print subscription, either I think through the website or through Patreon, by becoming a Patreon supporter. Let's see, let's pull up the 80s. Yeah, and there's just uh, different little news items about the, about the different eras. Uh, so it's a new magazine. They're looking for subscribers, obviously. They're looking for content. They're catering, like they said, to old people like us uh, who like old games. So, you know, I'm just going to put this out there, old school uh, gamer magazine. I do a podcast where I write a story about uh, a fiction story, typically about uh, an old Atari game every week. And, you know, if you're looking for someone to write stories for your, you know, maybe a little column for your magazine with that uh, sort of perspective on old games, well, you, you know, you know where to find me, uh, ataribytes2016 gmail.com or at Atari Bytes on Twitter or the Atari Bytes page on Facebook. <clears throat> anyway, now that I'm done shilling for myself, I have a little bit of time before they call me to start writing a column for them. So let's talk about some more news. This is uh, tangential, but it's kind of sad, of course. Suffice to say, 2017's been a pretty crappy year for many reasons. Even my own year has not necessarily been the greatest. But nationally, especially, a lot of people have had an awful lot of horrible crap happen. Hurricanes, shootings, for many people, the political situation is not the greatest. And now we've got the wildfires in California. Uh, as you guys know, as horrible as it is for the whole state, and our hearts go out to everyone who's you know, experiencing all this loss of property and life. I do another show called It's Podcast, Charlie Brown. So I was particularly saddened to hear about the loss of Charles Schultz's home, where his wife, Jean, still lived, as well as the nearby home of his son, Craig. Uh, fortunately, Craig and Jean are both fine. They evacuated. They're okay. But the loss of the homes, like all the other homes that have been lost, is uh, horrible, of course. Yeah for the personal loss to them, but particularly for the rest of us, or, you know, in addition to that, for the rest of us, uh, losing Schultz's home really hurts, because, of course, it was Schultz's home, and if you're a Peanuts fan, that's a special place, and surely there was a lot of valuable and irreplaceable Peanuts memorabilia and historical items in that home that were lost. A lot of that stuff is at the museum, the uh, Charles M. Schultz Museum, which thankfully was not damaged. They did lose power, so they were closed for several days. I think they're still closed, actually. But no fire damage, thankfully. Uh, so whatever was theirs should still be okay. But because I do that podcast, I was especially heartbroken to hear about the Schultz's loss. So our hearts go out to the Schultz family uh, and to everyone in California. There are, of course, man, there are a lot of charities out there now helping people who are struggling. From uh, Texas to Louisiana to uh, Puerto Rico... Uh, and surely there are charities helping out uh, the folks in California dealing with the wildfires. So to the extent that you can give, uh, make sure you do that. All right, that's a bummer way to end the new segment, but uh, let's just close the book right there and get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Aliens, 
taken over the earth. Every moving vehicle is theirs, and so is the land. You and you alone have captured one of their flying saucers. Can you beat the aliens with their own machine? You can. If you're fast, if you're accurate, if you don't lose your nerve, you are the space jockey. The fate of the earth is in your hands. Yours in this new cartridge from U.S. Games. Space jockey. Fly it if you can. Space jockey. Beat it if you can. Space jockey. Sweaty palms are guaranteed with U.S. Games. Space Jockey from U.S. Games, 1982. Space Jockey is a single-player, full-color, action game designed to be played on the Atari Video Computer System or Sears Telegames. You are a space... Oh, that reminds me. Sorry, before I get into this, I had one more news thing. As you know, my Atari 2600 bit the bid one playing Pigs in Space several weeks ago. I just today, actually while I was in the middle of preparing for this show, I was looking at something. And I hopped over quick because I had a moment and looked at eBay and picked myself up an AC adapter. It is on its way as we speak. I'm hoping that that will fix my Atari 2600 problems. And I am up and running again on my favorite system. So, fingers crossed for that. Anyway, back to Space Jockey. You are a space jockey at the controls of a highly maneuverable attack saucer, which appears on the left side of the screen. A variety of enemy weapons and obstacles appear on the right and move toward your spaceship. These include tanks, flying tanks I guess, jet planes, prop planes, and helicopters. Oh, and also, and helicopters, which all fire at you. Additionally, there are balloons, houses and trees that do not fire but are obstacles capable of destroying your attack saucer upon impact. I don't think that's technically true. I did run into those things from time to time without shooting it or being shot by it and was just fine. Although, now that I think about it, I wonder if that has something to do with the difficulty switch. Uh, I'm not sure. Your objective is to shoot down as many of the enemy objects as possible. Duh. Scoring as many points as possible. Double. Duh. While at the same time avoiding enemy fire. Triple. Duh. Initially, you have a fleet of three spaceships available to you. For each 1,000 points you can score... An additional ship will be available to you. Uh, connect the game. Left joystick controller. Right joystick is not used. Uh, insert the cartridge. Uh, left difficulty switch. Up for fast enemy shot. Down for slow enemy shot. Right difficulty switch. Up for frequent enemy shot. Down for less frequent enemy shot. As you guys know, based on what I said earlier, I'm still using my 7800. And I really didn't pay attention today to what the difficulty switches were left at or set at. Looks like I have them in the left position. Actually, they both are. Of course, I've only got the one joystick plugged in. I don't actually know if that's the higher difficulty or the uh, easier setting. I will tell you that I didn't necessarily have a great time. I wasn't necessarily all that good at playing the game. And I was able to pass through like the balloons and the houses without damage as long as I you know as long as something didn't shoot me yeah okay left difficulty switch up, up for fast yeah I guess they were shooting kind of fast so I guess I'm in the higher difficulty setting which might explain my problems not all of my problems of course you would need several episodes of a podcast to explain all of my problems game in game two trying to figure it there's a space jockey game variations chart in the manual. This is not a, a the actual manual. It's a, a transcription of the manual. So I'm trying to figure out what this says. I guess in game two, you can direct your missile. In game three, enemy ships move in random fashion. 
all the way up to game 16 where you get all the options. Player can direct his missile, player, ships move in a random fashion, player can move his ship horizontally, collisions, destroy spaceship. I only played this morning game 1, because uh, I'm boring, I guess. Frankly, I had forgotten that there were other games options and what they were. I just kind of played it in, stuck the game in and started playing. So I may go back and check out some of those other options. You know what, I'm going to do number 16 right now. What the heck? It's a bonus field report of sorts. Here we go. Whoa. Um, it's a little weird, because you can move your ship horizontally to the uh, invaders, but you can't... So you can go back... Well, you can go back and forth, but you can only still only shoot in one direction, which is sort of off-putting. It does lead to an extra layer of chaos to the proceedings, which is interesting. Alright, and it seems to move faster, too. Hmm. Alright, well, that's interesting. Anyway, so that's how you play Space Jockey. That really is all there is to it. Point and shoot. It's like the old uh, Kodak cameras commercials. Just point and shoot. I recently had to try and explain to my kid how a Polaroid camera worked back in the day. I think they thought it was some sort of weird voodoo magic thing. The 8bitcentral.com review of Space Jockey opens with I like their oatmeal. U.S. Games was a small, short-lived game company that created 14 mediocre games as a division of Quaker Oats. Huh. I didn't realize that was the case. Interesting. Space Jockey is a simple side-scrolling shooter that is good fun in small quantities, but it doesn't spur you to want to play for any great length of time or frequency. It's fun, but not very engaging. He, like me, spoiler in the field report, points out that why, if this is a space battle, are you shooting at planes and hot air balloons? and tanks and trees. And are you shooting from space? It's very confusing. He does point out, like I did when I was playing game 16, that the game variations do help mix things up a little bit and keep things interesting. His final judgment, U.S. Games Space Jockey doesn't take advantage of the myriad of options that similar games used. There's no interaction with the ground, and enemies don't offer much diversity to the gameplay. We give it a higher than usual rating because the additional game variations do offer options like random enemy movement and horizontal ship movement, which adds some more challenge. They also give us a tidbit of U.S. Games trivia. This company set up by Quaker Oats to try and harvest some of the wild financial gains seen in the video game sector of the early 80s. Quite a few companies outside of gaming tried to cash in. The problem was that they emulated what was already on the market without understanding what players wanted. Poorly rehashed games wasn't the key to success. Many of these companies folded as quickly as they emerged. U.S. games lasted one year. In contrast, RedGage.com wrote back in... I thought there was a date on this. I want to say it was dated like 2003. I may be wrong, but at any rate, his uh, you know stellar review is... Anyway, there were far worse games for the Atari 2600 than Space Jockey. This wasn't exactly an awful game, but it wasn't for everyone, and it wasn't an awesome game. Still, I, meaning the writer, have fond memories of it and enjoyed playing it. Earlier in the review, he says, Space Jockey did have a certain appeal because of its very monotony. How so? Well, if you were just wanting to veg out some without having to put a lot of thought into the game you were playing, Space Jockey was perfect for that. Also, it did have some positive qualities. The colors or graphics were quite good for the Atari 2600, and though the sounds were simple, they weren't awful by any means. 
Retro gamers today can still find used and sometimes new cartridges of Space Jockey available for sale in various places. The more I'm looking at these reviews, I'm realizing, I think in the field report, I referred to this as a 1970s game. That's not correct. For some reason, I had stuck in my head 1978, which, honestly, I think it's stuck in my head because that's the year that the Peanut Special that I'm talking about on my other podcast, which just dropped today as well, uh, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown, episode 18, available now, um, was made in 1978. So for, so for some reason, that's stuck in my head. Uh, my comments still hold. does look pretty good for early 80s, despite the fact that it's maybe not the most exciting game ever. The Atari Times wrote in 2004, Ever hear someone talk about the video game crash of 1984? If you have, they'll no doubt talk about the low-quality third-party games for the Atari 2600, which absolutely flooded the market. Space Jockey, released by U.S. Games Corporation in 1982, is one of those games. The title isn't exactly horrible, but it's certainly uninspired and just plain boring. Perhaps the most disappointing thing about Space Jockey is that it was programmed by Gary Kitchen, who also did Activision Raids. We do love us some Activision on this show. Keystone Capers, which I did a few weeks ago, and Pressure Cooker. Hmm, I don't know about Pressure Cooker. I'll have to check that game out. I do like Activision. Anyway, he kind of goes through the graphics, which he thinks are plain but not bad. He's kind of confused about the 16 game variations. He also, like the rest of us, doesn't get why this is a space battle involving tanks and hot air balloons. The sound stings too, he says. It, much like the graphics, is very plain and none too exciting. The Atari makes an obnoxious sound whenever a shot is fired, and that fake laser noise simply gets aggravating after a time. If you must play this game, at least find some good music to play in the background. If you guys have any thoughts about what music should play in the background of Space Jockey, let me know. Oh, that reminds me. Unrelated tangent. We lost Tom Petty a couple weeks ago. I don't think I mentioned it on the show. It was sad. Uh, I'm a Petty fan. I've always appreciated his music. It was sad to lose him. We've lost a lot of people, historically. Uh, the comment doesn't really make any sense, I guess. But uh, it seems like this year in particular uh, has been a rough one for many reasons. Like I said earlier, not to mention, you know, not least of which, because a lot of really cool, creative people have uh, been lost. And uh, Tom was one of those. So if you think can think of a Tom Petty song that would be a good background audio for playing Space Jockey, let me know. Wikipedia tells us that U.S. Games was a video game company founded by Donald Yu, which originally produced handheld electronic sports games. It pivoted to focus exclusively on video game software in 1981 and was acquired by the then conglomerate Quaker Oats in 1982 to develop games for the Atari 2600 to complement its Fisher-Price toy brand. Uh, U.S. Games released 14 games and then closed the doors after a year during the video game crash of 83. Rival serial company General Mills video games were very successful, but its Parker Brothers division was experienced in producing family and licensed games. So, presumably General Mills had a little bit of a leg up over Quaker Oats. Wikipedia quotes spokesman Ronald Bottrell as saying, None of our games became a hit. Instead of pouring in a lot more capital, we decided to drop it. So there you go. An inspiring, stirring speech by Ronald Bottrell. Uh, things weren't going so good, so we just dumped it. And on that note, let's jump into this week's game. Oh, but first, I have to share the alien theory. Is David the space jockey? So when I was researching space jockey, a link came up on uh, for ScreenRant.com. Alien theory is David the space jockey. The article starts out, and I'll pass this along. There are spoilers in this article for the movie Alien Covenant, which I actually haven't seen, uh, and maybe a lot of you haven't either. Um, so just be aware, I may spoil something inadvertently for that movie. So if you don't want to be spoiled, potentially, skip over this part. 
So the idea is that Michael Fassbender's David from that movie could be the space jockey from the original Alien, uh, the Ridley Scott movie, classic uh, sci-fi movie from 79. Uh, I'll be doing by saying, I've seen the first three Alien movies. I enjoyed them well enough. I had a friend years ago who was an Alien movie nut. And when that, uh, the one with, um, like the fourth one, whatever it's called, where where Ripley comes back, I think she and I went and saw that. And she, my friend, thought it was like the coolest thing ever. But I'm sort of a more passive Alien fan. I've seen the first four, I guess. And, uh, but I'm by no means an expert. So, but evidently in Alien Covenant, there's this character called the Space Jockey. Now, I read this article. The article says, that's not the only mysterious piece of backstory that's been dangling for decades and is due a solution in Scott's prequel series, though. There's also the matter of the pilot in the original Alien, when the crew of the Nostromo investigates the crashed derelict spacecraft, they find a long-dead pilot, a big elephant-trunked being in a command module, who's had an alien burst out of his chest and left a beacon warning all who pass by to stay away. And that dude was known as the Space Jockey, but he wasn't seen in any of the other movies. But he did apparently get, that character did get kind of fleshed out in comics and books. Prometheus, uh, which I also still haven't seen, retconned all of that, revealing that what was presumed to be an extraterrestrial skeleton was in fact a suit belonging to the engineers. If you know these movies better than me, you know what all that's talking about. Some more discussion of the Jockey's death. Suffice to say, I read this whole article and... It has absolutely nothing to do with Space Jockey, the U.S. game's Atari game. So, hate to ruin it for you. Uh, But now that I've stomped all over uh, spoilers for the Alien movies, I think my work is done here. Alright, moving on. After the break, it's time for the Space Kentucky Derby. Jockeys to your space horses. Or something. jockey for a simple 1978 game looks pretty good. I like the red sand, sort of bleak hellscape uh, scenery you got going on. Wow, I got I got destroyed already. Let's start that again. Very uh, Star Wars or Dune-esque. I like the graphics for 78. Uh, they look really good. Everything looks like it's supposed to look. I like the thing it represents. Hot air balloon. You got the hot air balloon, the airplanes, helicopters, moon rover. Which is an odd thing to see on the surface, but alright. Um, trees every now and then. 
that tree. The airplanes are especially hard to hit. They're relatively small, they move fast, and they shoot a lot. Man, it died again. Alright, one more. That's the thing about this game. It's really straightforward, right? There's no complicated missions. Uh, you have to find the field depot. There aren't things you can shoot, things you can't shoot. Stuff just comes at you and you shoot it. But, you know, for all the simplicity, it's kind of addictive. It's like potato chips. Just straight up potato chips. You know, that funky sour cream, whatever. Just straight up potato chips. Maybe if you're feeling a little crazy, you get the wavy cut. The ridges. That's about it. Just plain old chips. I hit that plane. enslaved by the alien overlords once again. My bad. Back to you in the studio. Here's the thing about Space Jockey. Why didn't the aliens just keep their own ships, which are faster and more powerful? Maybe it's uh, kind of an adding insult to injury thing. Destroy humanity with the, our own hot air balloons. Curse you alien overlords and your illogical but stupidly effective battle plan. Curse you humans for being... you know, you. On the technical side of playing this game... I felt like the hit recording was a little sluggish. I didn't play great this morning, but I know I hit more things than US Games programming says that I actually hit. But that might just be sour grapes, because I'm really bad at video games. Alright, so now's the time when, as we do every week, we dig deep into the events of the game, into the characters' minds, into the setting that we find ourselves in every week, and try to decide what exactly is going on here for Pete's sake. And I think clearly what's going on here, right? We've got a company that makes fine breakfast food dabbling in video games, basically to make money. So clearly this is a game less about space and more about commerce. But why do they need to be separate? Here then is the story of Space Jockey Incorporated. Galactic undergarments for the cosmos. Okay, quiet everyone. Quiet on the set. We're recording. Space jockeys. Undergarments for galactic warriors. Being a space commando doesn't mean you need to go commando. Cue the music. Begin voiceover. Hello, space kateers. Defending the galaxy from random invaders is super stressful. It takes nerve. It takes focus. Any distraction could mean the end of the universe. Hey, can, so can someone get those planes out of here? W was that Willy Loman? Beat it, Willy. I'm working. Any distraction could mean the end of the universe. Don't let maddening interstellar chafing spell the end of life as we know it. 
with Space Jockey. Come on, Glendary Glen Ross. Invading balloons? Really, is that the best you've got? Clear the set, people. Anyway, with Space Jockey brand underwear, chafing is a thing of the curved space-time past. The only radiation you should experience in space is from the stars, not from your private parts. Our patented space-age fibers breathe even in airless space. The rumors that the Galactic Overlords pillaged those fibers from the peace-loving inhabitants of Dunlove 4, leaving the planet a lifeless husk, are totally, mostly untrue. Del Griffith, get out of that tank. Leave us alone. Space tanks? Really? Space tanks? Tanks don't fly in space. Seriously. And Space Jockey brand jockeys are stylish, too. The finest space silk. All the colors of the rainbow including the two extra ones discovered in the Bowser Nebula a couple years ago. Our underwear will cradle your space rocket in style. No more asteroid storms for you, buddy. Those little guys will be comfortably contained. Man, that one was close. Curse you, Herb Tarlick. I think I just fouled my space jockeys. If you, dear listener, foul your space jockeys, fear not. Space jockeys brand underwear is self-cleaning. How, you ask? Well, thanks for asking. Thanks to the latest technology, an automatic sensor in your underwear knows when it's time for a change and discreetly dips into a parallel universe to swap out your jockeys with an identical clean pair owned by your parallel world self. Also, our space-age fiber disperses your, um, natural gases discreetly. This is crazy. I can't record a commercial like this. Where are the other attack saucers? What? The only attack saucer in the quadrant is me? Budget cuts, man. Alright, let's just get through this. Well, we've been talking a lot about space jockeys for men, but what about the space gals out there? Well, ladies, we've got you covered too. Literally. From the volcano of Saturn below to Venus's two moons up above, our patented comet cups and tidy hot whitey briefs. Technology will have everyone blasting off in style. Whoever you are, your red dwarf will explode into a supernova of comfort when your shuttle docks in our underpants. That's space jockey undergarments for spacemen and spacewomen. Uranus never looks so good. give up. Mom was right. I should have gone into business with my brother Bob selling sunspot insurance. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Show notes are found at ataribytes.libson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the show on our Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. And in a bold leap into 2010, Atari Bytes is now on Instagram. That's right, we've taken down Twitter, now we're going to take down Instagram. You can find Atari Bytes on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, many, many, so many other places. And if you're buying what the show is selling, jockey for position on iTunes and leave us a nice review. Then, just as importantly, 
hop back on your space horse and go out and tell all of your friends, Paul Revere style, to listen to the podcast. Do also please consider supporting the show financially on our Patreon page. There are expenses involved in doing a podcast, uh, whether it's equipment or podcast hosting fees or new AC adapters when equipment fails, you know, whatever it is, there is a cost involved. So anything you can do to help out the show financially would be greatly appreciated. Uh, also consider uh, picking up some Atari Vites merchandise. we got cool shirts, we've got stickers, we got uh, mugs, uh, all sorts of stuff on Zazzle.com. AB underscore pod underscore store is the, uh, is the name of the store, but if you just type in Atari Bytes, you'll find our stuff. And if you have time, do please check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your animated and non-animated peanuts needs. Whether it's Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Franklin, Woodstock... Whatever you're into, we've got it for you over there at It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. In honor of the impending Halloween holiday, we're going to play Frankenstein's Monster. Sorry, that's Frankenstein. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.